Hello and welcome to Talky Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Joining me today is TJ. Hello! And Brent. Yo! And I'm Chris, and this is the podcast where we talk about the things that we've watched. And this has been Talky Talk. And we will also talk about the news, and uh, but only related to media that we like. And, and, and only if we have some to talk about. And only if we remember to look some up pre-show. <laughs> uh, and then we'll give you a blind recommendation of what to watch next week. And by blind, I mean we read so much about movies that it's a pretty informed opinion. We're pretty much movie geniuses. Yeah. I did get accused of that at a party recently. Someone was like, you're like a, like a movie expert, right? Like, you have a thing where like you're a movie expert? And I was like, um, yes. And they were like, okay, what would you think of the new Star Wars? I go, oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had like a similar story, but it was just, I spent the past week out of town with some family. And I know some of them listened, so sorry. <laughs> but they were finally, one of them came out and they were like, Come play guitar for us. And I was like, I'll be in in a minute. And they came back out in like 10 minutes. And they were like, no, but come play. And I was like, I'll be in in a minute. And they are like, I'll wait. And I was like, I'm not coming in. <laughs> this is not happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't know how to tell you this. You're not picking up on the hints. <laughs> I get compared more to baby geniuses than movie geniuses. <laughs> the movie baby geniuses. But it's the movie baby geniuses. <laughs> Which you are the uh, expert, leading expert on baby geniuses the movie. <laughs> Because I remembered that it existed. Yeah, <laughs> it's making more, more me in this room the leading expert on baby Jesus. Does it exist in the same cinematic universe as Spy Kids? Is it like the prequel? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I wonder if Baby Jesus is in the uh, mind of that kid from the TV show, the autistic kid. You're talking about? Oh yeah. <laughs> What's that chart called? Good, good talk. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the uh, it's the it's. Like a universe that's named after the the kid at the end of Saint not yes Saint elsewhere Saint elsewhere <laughs> at the end of the song Saint Elmo's Fire. But every like like a ton of TV shows and movies can be tied or mostly TV shows. Yeah, to that kid to things in that show. Yeah. So now showrunners are like specifically putting things into shows to make them part of that universe. I believe it is the Tommy Westfall, Westfall. universe. Universe. Yeah, that's right. So Baby Geniuses as a part of that. I wonder Hopefully. if it is. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Could be. But anyway, let's start with the stuff we've been watching. Uh, we haven't really done a traditional watch list in a bit. Um, so, both of you have a few movies you want to talk about. TJ, why don't we start with you? Okay, fun. I watched three movies in like succession, quick succession, last night. And I'll talk about all three of them in the order that I watched them. Okay. I watched Hustlers. Sweet. So did I. Oh, cool. <laughs> Surprised. <laughs> um, I did not. Yeah. I, uh... Kind of did it as part of the little Oscar push because it's going to get one nomination and probably only one nomination. Yeah. Um, to talk about that aspect of it, the whole reason I watched the movie in the first place, it the performance of Jennifer Lopez in that movie is one where I was telling Brent, like, I watched it, and if you told me, like, she got a supporting actress nomination for this, I would have been like, okay. Yeah. Not, like, upset, not surprised, not... I would, I would immediately wonder, like, oh, was it, like, a not great... Pool this year for Best Supporting Actress? Maybe. Maybe a not great pool. But she wasn't bad. She was no. good. Probably her career performance. Yes. Um, for sure. It was better than Made in Manhattan. And some f- fantastic physical <laughs> acting from her. Yeah. Uh, as a stripper. Like, she does a whole strip tease, I guess, really is what it is. Yeah. And uh, it's fantastic. And she's really good at that. And she's gorgeous. So, yeah. good casting. Yeah. As soon as she like appears on stage... Uh, Kelly goes, man, fuck her for being 50 and looking like that. It's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, 
the movie as a whole is based on a true story I didn't know, based on an article written a few years ago about um, some strippers who uh, were making really good money, like high-end strippers in Manhattan, who uh, pretty much stopped making money when the financial crisis hit in 08. Yeah. Because they were making money off millionaire Wall Street brokers who would come in and drop two grand in a night at the strip club. And those people stopped existing. Yeah. Um, I had I had no idea that about that aspect of the movie. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know what the movie was about at all. So when it jumped to 2008 and it was like... And then the uh, it shows the, the coverage from uh, uh, Brian Williams, Brian Williams yeah. talking about uh, the Wall Street crash. And I was yeah. like, oh, fuck, that's right. Right. Because the whole time I was thinking, like, why is this movie not set in Atlanta? If it's right. a movie about strippers who start, like, taking advantage of people and run the scheme, why is it not set in Atlanta? It's like, oh, well, first of all, because it's based on a true story right. about people who, like, ran this scheme in New York, but also because that is a big piece of the puzzle. And scheme is a generous way to phrase what they did. They essentially drugged people uh, into not caring about how much money they spent, and they would max out all their credit cards. Right. Um, they're fucked. They're fucking them up in a bad way. Yeah. Not like... I never felt like... I was never rooting for the little ones in this one. No. They were they were fucked up. Yeah. Um, but Constance Wu was pretty good in it. Yeah. She plays the lead. Um, and, and like I said, she was really good. Jennifer Lopez was good. And the supporting characters were fun. I mean, I enjoyed Cardi B and Lizzo. They were funny. I was surprised by Lizzo. I knew Cardi B was in it. But then to see... Lizzo, I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. We saw someone from the back with a flute, and Kelly was like, is that Lizzo? Yeah. And she turns around, and she goes, it's fucking Lizzo. Fucking Lizzo. <laughs> and I really enjoyed the Usher cameo. <laughs> Came out of nowhere. How weird. It was, just, it. it was as weird as his cameo on stage at SNL when Lizzo performed. Yeah. Where it's like, they do the farewell, and then Usher's there. It's like, why the fuck was Usher there? Because I'm Usher, baby. <laughs> Um, we'll cut that. Don't worry, TJ. <laughs> uh, leave it in. It says it in the movie. It's stupid. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm in, this, I'm in the same game as you. I gave it four stars. I gave it four stars. I thought it was a fine heist-ish movie. Um, I really don't know what is so remarkable about any of it. Um, I think any other year it so kind it's of produced fizzles. by Adam McKay, too, and Will Ferrell. So yeah. it does have a little bit of that big short uh, vice. Right. Like... Steam. Hard cuts to Julia Stiles, who plays the reporter, interviewing Constance Wu, um, that feel out of place, but fit. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. You got anything else to say about Hustlers, Chris? Um, I think just that, you know, not really knowing the field as well as you guys uh, would be interested to see who she has to beat with that performance. Because this is, I feel like if she wins the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, they're giving it to her now because she won't have an opportunity again like this. Yeah, I would agree. Um, also, a bit of it is just sort of the, we didn't know you were capable of this sort of um, aspect of a performance. Sort of the, uh, who was the who won for, not and I'm not diminishing her performance at all in the movie, but who won for uh, Precious? Gabrielle City Bay? No, but who won oh. the Oscar? The supporting oh, actor, Monique. Yeah, like, something like that. Where it's just like, not only was this really good, but it's like, we didn't know you could do this. So right. that extra oomph. So David had her at number one uh, last Oscar predict. Yeah. Uh, so right now David's got her predicting to win. I've got her second behind Laura Dern in Marriage Story. Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Bombshell. Florence Pugh in Little Women, and Zal Shuzen from 
the farewell. The farewell are those are both of our top fives. We agreed, yeah, all the way down. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't mind her getting a nomination for her body of work, mainly for the entertainment industry as a whole. She's been a huge name for yeah twenty five years now. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you're gonna give her a career nom, like I said, this is a movie where I'm like, eh, maybe not a win, but yeah, I would not like pissed. It's not. You know, Sandra Bullock winning for The Blind Side. Right. Or Green Book winning or Bohemian Rhapsody getting nominated for fucking Best Editing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, nothing, Never else forget. To, <laughs> nothing else to say on that movie. Uh, hit us with another movie you saw in your succession. One that has zero Oscar buzz at all, but it's been on my list for a while because it felt super fun. And uh, my girlfriend is Cassandra. So we were going to always see Ready or Not. Um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, like, a, a ton of fun. Tell us about this movie. Uh, takes place all in one night. Yep. Uh, somebody gets married. This girl who grew up with foster parents marries into a very rich, rich family who's got a... Uh, they're like the Mattels. Like, the biggest board game okay. in there. Um, and they live in a very, like, knives out, and then there were none type house with secret passages and shit. Cool. And they tell her in the beginning, uh, at midnight you have to play a game. Right. It's part of our initiation. And uh, they do this every time somebody joins the family. Okay. And they draw a card. Most of the time, 99% of the time, only one other time in the past 100 years, people draw a blank card. Okay. And then, or a card that's not hide and seek. It'll say like chess, and they'll play chess, and that's it. And they're part of the family. But if you draw hide and seek, you have to hide until dawn, and the rest of the family tries to murder you. Huh. Um, it is because the family believes there is a ghost, um, who is in cahoots with Satan and that's what they have to do or the family will die in some horrific way as soon as the sun rises. And All she presumably draws chess for this movie. Yes. <laughs> she draws chess. Everyone knows that standard The rest of it is kind of you, like fighting Dory. Yeah. When you, when you start a game of chess, you shake your phone's hand and go, ready or not. Yeah. And then the pawns start moving across the board on their own. So then it's, it's fun after that. It's gory, but in a very funny way. Um, in like an owie, like a home alone kind of way. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. he stepped on a nail. That's kind of like the worst thing that happens. Yeah. Um. I mean, people die, but it's not. You're never like, you know what I'm saying. You're never like, oh fuck, I want to look away. You're right. like horrified by it. Uh, way more comedy than horror. Um, it was a lot of fun. I don't know what I gave it on Letterbox. I think three and a half stars, maybe. Uh, there were some plot holes that were just laughably bad. Yeah. Uh, and then if I'm seeing those while I'm watching a movie, I know they're bad because I try to block that out while I'm watching movies. Yeah. And not think about it as much. But um, it was really good. Samara Weaving is the lead. She was the Title character in The Babysitter, yep. a horror movie that came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Hugo Weaving's niece. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was fine. And the rest of the family is not anybody really of note. Andy McDowell plays the mother. Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't seen her in a minute. Cool. My uh, my wife's uh, my, my wife's dad, so my father-in-law, went to high school with her. Oh, weird. Yeah. My wife's dad. Yep, there's a word <laughs> for that. Father-in-law. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, Kelly, and I was like, wait, she's my wife. But I'm talking about her dad. My wife, dad. Wait, no, it's... Uh, my wife, dad. My wife, dad. Um, so, yeah, if you're a fan of that like horror comedy genre, I definitely recommend like pretty it. Pretty classic Bloomhouse production. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Death Day. Same boat. Sweet. It felt a lot like Happy Death Day. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Um, so you'd recommend it? 
Yeah, I would. It's definitely a watch list worthy film. Sweet. And then hit us with that last one you've seen. I saw a movie Brent saw. Ooh. Uh, in theaters, I think. This movie probably would have been better seen in a theater because I found it pretty boring. But uh, at Astra, I watched. It's kind of boring. Okay. It was my least favorite of the three movies I watched. Yeah, you, when you told me these are the three movies I watched today and this is the order in which I enjoyed them, and I was like, all right. Because I've been seeing Ad Astra on a lot of like non critical, you know, top 10 lists, but on a lot of like, you know, movie fan top 10 lists. Yeah, and all three of these movies have like the same scores on everything. It was like 90% Rotten Tomatoes for all three and like yeah. 70 for Metacritic on all three. So, yeah, I mean, Ad Astra, I don't really want to ha- rehash the plot because Brent talked about it on the podcast once before, but it's essentially an astronaut going to find his dad at Neptune. And it's set in the. Cassandra at one point was like, Is this movie set in the future? I was like, Yes. <laughs> it was like. Could you say it again, please? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, in the future, phone. So I was just. Tedious just like waving his phone around, flipping his phone, and I just start seeing a whole bunch of images start flashing up on it, and then, like, uh, like Siri instructions and things like that. I was just like, something's about to happen. And I can't wait. Um, yeah, at Astra. It's. I, I get what you mean, like, by. by you know, saying you're bored by it, I, I can definitely put myself in a, a scenario where, like, if, if I weren't... It's the type of movie, and not all movies are like this, where I need to be in the right sort of zone for that movie. Like, right. Like, I need to be able to... Like, it's kind of a movie where it's like, that should be the only movie I watch on this day. Mm-hmm. And I should just sit in a dark room, focus on this movie, with nothing, without my phone... Which is not typically how I watch movies. And so, I don't think Ad Astra is a movie I could enjoy on most days. But What about right after watching Hustlers and Ready or Not? Probably the worst <laughs> potential <laughs> viewing. Yeah, that's why I rated it a little higher than I wanted to, and I might give it another shot. because like of Prospecting a little? I flew into Atlanta yesterday and then watched two movies and then watched Ad Astra. Yeah. Like, maybe not the best way to view yeah. that media. And it is. It's, a, it's like it's a long movie. It's a, Or it feels like a long movie. Is it not? Two hours. Okay, well... It feels sort of, because the action takes place in really condensed pockets in that movie, right? Which is and they're the really good. Were fun, like him falling from space to Earth, fun. Mm-hmm. Car car race on the moon, fun. Space it, monkey attack. Fun. It's like the Lost City of Z in space, kind of. Where it's just like yes. it's the same sort of vibe in that movie, where it's a lot of a lot of time spent just sort of on him, not. Right. Uh, and he's surrounded by you know this fantastical setting that he's in but it's still mostly about the guy and i think it's similar to lost city of zed in that way and it's it's interesting and it's a it's a good character movie it didn't blow me away i thought it was good yeah yeah the people who talk about strengths talk about like the contemplative nature and the uh like the the isolation and like the examination of self and aging and like uh legacy and all that and that seems like a hard thing to do after watching the hide and go seek murder movie right um not saying that it's your fault that you didn't like the movie right um, no but, I mean, but i do think part of it, it might be you yeah. know what i mean and and, and I, you I know, not all movies are like that like you could, yeah you know groundhog day i don't have to be in a mood to watch groundhog day throw it on anytime literally anytime yeah I'll, it'll be the same experience for me but a terrence malick movie or something yeah it's I gotta be in that mindset before I watch it. That's what I told Cass. It felt like Disney got a hold of a Terrence Malick movie. 
It like Spruced made, it, made it have dialogue and some action. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently Terrence Malick's newest movie is the least Terrence Malick of all of his movies, where it's like, it is the only... St- but which direction? It's it's the, <laughs> it's the first movie that he has written and directed that is uh, told linearly since like a movie that he released in like 1994. Weird. Yeah. And so people are like watching it and all... <laughs> it's got structure. Yeah, people are like... <laughs> it. People are, are commenting like this is missing something, and so I think that like Terrence Malick's thing might just be the nonlinear storytelling. Anyway, we're not talking about that movie. And so at Astro, you might give it a rewatch. Uh, would you be surprised if it appeared on some like technical Oscars? Uh, I was gonna look up and see if it made the visual effects shortlist. Pretty sure it did. Um, okay, well, then yeah, I mean, very deserving of that aspect. I think it was a gorgeous film. Yeah, don't yeah. hold me to it. It may not have, but right. I'm pretty sure I feel like if you make a good looking space movie. It just—it's sort of an easy backdoor into the a nomination sometimes, and it's a good-looking space movie. One of the one of the best. The moon—the moon, like, the moon <laughs> scene is, the, I think, the best. It's the highlight of the movie. It was really good. I would probably say the opening scene. Oh, the op- opening fall. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, I also want to say I yelled out "Space Cowboys 2 when Donald Sutherland and Tommy Lee Jones both appeared in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spiritual sequel. Also, this movie had the had a. A, a really strange. Uh, it did not make the shortlist for me. Oh, okay, so Ad Astra no nominations for this movie. <laughs> has a really weird uh, appearance by um, Natasha, Natasha Leon. Yeah, hmm. in has just a, sort of a nondescript role, like not it's a, a cameo, not like a ooh, it's her, right? Just like a wait, but she just have three lines of dialogue. She's like a secretary. Yeah, and then she's, I wonder if she had more to do and got it got cut. Maybe I, I have to believe that's the case, or she might have had like. You know this this movie seems like it had a really bizarre production history because like it, did. it was supposed to come out a year before yeah it did maybe she had like some hand in with the production of it and was like put me in yeah speaking of roles that got cut did you, did you ever see yesterday the Beatles yeah uh, so did you know Anna de Armas had a role in that movie that was supposed to be fairly big and it was completely cut uh-uh. from the movie weird yeah what and role I have no idea it's uh, some I'm, I'm I know. We'll have to look into that. But yeah, well, that's interesting. But considering what a you know, she's kind of blown up in recent years, and I've and I've wondered after seeing Knives Out why it took so long for her to get like a bigger role after Blade Runner because she's so good in Blade Runner. Yes, and um, so happy that with Knives Out she got kind of a the least a, a centerpiece part in a, in, a, in a movie like that too. It's it's really impressive, but. Um, yeah, she was supposed to be in yesterday and just com- completely got cut from the movie, which is disappointing. I feel like I could have liked that movie a lot more. Yeah. But that's all I saw. Well, that's not all I saw. I watched the first four Fast and Furious movies. Three is underrated. Chris is right. Two is uh, absolute garbage. Yeah. One is okay. And four is... Four is a not little great either. It's yeah. a little... Like, Vin Diesel on Revenge. Yeah. It's just, like, annoying to watch. One, two, and four are probably near the bottom of my overall ranking of all of them. And most critics' rankings okay. as well. Um, but, all right, well, Brent, why don't you hit us with, with what you've been watching? Oh, uh, Chris, why don't you timestamp them Fast and Furious movies for me? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. So, I've uh, started listening to a podcast. It's an older podcast, but it's called The Flop House. Oh, cool. And uh, it's about... Terrible movies. Yeah, and they spend like a, like thirty forty minutes just like making fun of one. It's I think it's uh, it's from one of those comedy networks that puts out podcasts. It's either yeah, maximum, it's maximum, fun. maximum fun. I think yeah. And, if, uh, if you if you are a Adventure Zone listener and the Flophouse sounds familiar, 
they used to do the Maximum Fun Drive uh, guest D&D episodes. Uh, oh. They have characters that they uh, voice and act as. Um, in the, there's, I think there's two episodes of the Flophouse guys. Okay. Fun. Well, in order to prep for some of those episodes, I've been watching some of the movies they're going to be talking about. Yeah. And uh, So, I watched the 2005 movie Stealth, which I'd never seen before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen Stealth? Yes. Starring, uh, remember when Josh Lucas, they were trying to make that a thing? <laughs> um, starring Josh Lucas... And Jessica Beale. Jessica Beale. Oh yeah, this is the movie that and Jamie Foxx watching with my friend John and the trailer for Stealth came on. And the first thing in the trailer was Jamie Foxx riding his bike with sunglasses on. And this is what, two thousand six? Five. Five. John goes, Ray two <laughs> <laughs> Um Sam Shepard is in this movie. That just makes me sad. The guy only he doesn't do that many movies and you know he was so good as... Uh, What's the, the plot right of this? Stuff? Is this robot planes taking over? This is... Yes, so okay. this is uh, 2001 plus Top Gun. <laughs> okay. Um, yep, it's about a robot stealth uh, plane. That's right. The plane's a bad guy. And I bet there's For also a, like, a general who wants the plane to succeed who's a Sam bad Sam Shepard. Okay. <laughs> yep. And then the plane turns into the good guy at the end and sacrifices itself. <laughs> Plane turns into the good guy at the end. But after it kills Jamie Foxx earlier in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't recommend this movie. I felt embarrassed for all parties involved, including myself. <laughs> it was... Yeah, I remember it being particularly awful. It was a really bad movie. Um, not in a fun way. Not in a good way. Okay. Um, it's just bad. I have a question. Is Dean Devlin an executive producer on this movie? Because I would... Uh, I would I would guess that the answer is yes. True. <laughs> directed by Rob Cohen, who directed, I believe, the first Fast and the Furious movie. Huh. As well as the Boy Next Door, the J Lo movie where she gets him an original copy of the Bible. No, it's or the original of uh, the Iliad. The Iliad. Get you a first printing of the Iliad. A first, a first edition of the. That's Iliad. a lot in the movie that made it to theaters. What? Um, the movie The Boy Next Door, starring J Lo. J-Lo and uh, Rob, Taylor Lautner, right? So Rob Cohen has made hits like The Fast and the Furious, uh, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Oh, that's the worst of the mummies. Triple X. Okay. Dragonheart. Dragonheart rules. <laughs> Daylight, the St Sylvester Stallone is in a tunnel for two hours movie. <laughs> Back when people were like, Sylvester Stallone's going to be a disaster action hero. The Skulls. Oh. Oh, man. I forgot about the skulls. Is that Ryan Felipe? Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Pacey. Pacey. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Jackson. So, anyway, this movie, like all those other movies, just has no, like, focus. Okay. It's just bouncing from one thing to the next. There's one part where they just stop flying planes all together and just go on a vacation to Thailand. <laughs> all the pilots together. So they can get Jessica Biel into a bikini. Yeah. It's the so only purpose. Jamie Fox can spend some time with his Asian girlfriend or wife or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> Who doesn't speak English but is real interested in listening to him talk about the planes. Was she like, is she working for the plane? Does the plane have agency in this movie? You said that the plane becomes a good guy. And I don't understand it. <laughs> it makes no sense. None of it makes sense. Anyway, I don't recommend Stealth. Okay. Uh, I watched a 2007 movie that I'd never even heard of called Perfect Stranger. Oh, okay. Starring Halle Berry and Bruce Willis. Are you familiar with this movie? No, but the voice uh -oh. of Eddie, or Edie, yeah. is uh, fucking the guy from Prison Break, <laughs> Wentworth Miller. Oh, oh yeah. Wentworth Miller? Yeah. Man. 
the voice of the evil, not evil plane. Yeah, that is just why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're squandering talent. <laughs> okay, sorry. Let's move on Next to Perfect movie. Stranger. The yeah. talent being the microphone. <laughs> what's the what's Perfect Stranger? TJ's perfect gonna, Stranger. TJ has to Google IMDb trivia on this one now. <laughs> okay, so Perfect Stranger is uh, Halle Berry is a uh, journalist, an investigative journalist. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say a stealth bomber. I thought you were just <laughs> laughing at Halle Berry being a journalist. No, you Women, <laughs> a woman <laughs> journalist, women with jobs. Uh, I've seen Catwoman. I her, she can have a job. An old friend of hers comes to track her down in New York City and uh, tell her that she's got the inside scoop on an affair she had with Bruce Willis. Advertising icon. Ooh. He's like, a, you know, top of the company. Uh, big deal. Everybody knows his name. He's the one. Why do they? Why do movies think everyone knows advertising executive names? <laughs> why do they think they're celebrities? That's not a thing. Anyway, um, so not a thing. her friend <laughs> turns up dead. So who done it? Bruce Willis. Uh, do you want to me to spoil this movie? Her friend who came to tell her that she had the scoop. Richard Portnow. Wait. Giamatti the- Ramisi. <laughs> I gotta get it right at some point. <laughs> no, um, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis did it. Can I, can I spoil this movie? Yeah. Halle Berry has a twin. She killed this, herself. This has one of the worst twists in any movie. Uh, tell me, tell me, tell me. Halle Berry was just the murderer all along. Wait. But she, she spends sh- the whole movie with her. And she investigates the whole movie. She doesn't know she did it? Oh no, she does. She she does. We just didn't. We just didn't know. It's one of those movies where at the end, at the very in the last like three or four minutes, it's everything just like, you've been watching is bullshit. No, What's it's that? everything. Everything we've been watching is true. She's just like faking the whole investigation, basically. She Going even... through the motions to set people up, to set Bruce Willis up, and then to set Giovanni Ribisi up when he figures it out. Wait, does does she ever? Does it ever show her investigating when there are no other characters on screen? I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe because I'm curious if that was like in, an internal. Like, she, she's she's in character, Chris. Dale Day Lewis of the advertising world or whatever. <laughs> no, but I mean, like this only works if it only ever shows her doing the due diligence of investigating this as a journalist. If other people are around her, and like, it, like the Sixth Sense when no, when he do, you notice no, no one actually interacts with him, right? That sort of thing. Because okay, like, this movie has not done its homework. Because like if she's like alone and no one's watching her and she doesn't think anyone's recording her or anything, and she's got a big board with red string, then it's just like it doesn't. It sounds like they changed the ending at the last minute. I think that's actually what happened, uh, and, and that's actually when I was listening to the Flophouse, they think that's what happened too. They think that this movie uh, that they think Bruce Willis was maybe intended to be the the actual killer, but it wound up being so boring and straightforward that the the producers were just like, this is nothing. This is terrible. We have to add in something that'll get people talking. So, it turns out Halle Berry murdered her because that girl, that uh, her friend, when she was a little girl and they lived across the street together, saw her mom, saw, sorry, saw Halle Berry's mom kill Halle Berry's dad and bury him in the yard. And so she's been blackmailing her for all these years, even though he was an abusive dad who was like raping Halle Berry. It's really just a, it's a, the Yikes. most convoluted bullshit twist ending. It belongs on any list of the worst twist endings of all time. Just some of the Metacritic reviews of this movie are fucking great. I bet. <laughs> the one-liners. A twist burden techno thrower that wouldn't be by the numbers if it could count. <laughs> <laughs> this with another because I know that if you don't now you will later. A crappy thriller guys up with a chrome plated veneer. <laughs> a movie so inane that it fails to rise to the level of 
quote, good trash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, if it were, and Halle Berry, God bless her, she's doing her best in this movie. She's like, it's like, uh, kind of, I mean, she's not that bad in this movie. Like, this is just a horrible movie surrounding her. Like Gothica level acting? Yeah, I think maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a long Holly time. Berry's been in some really shitty movies. She has been. Um, and a lot of the time it's her fault, like Catwoman. <laughs> but, uh, That's a good and movie. honestly, not a bunch of great movies. Like her Oscar performance, that movie's not that good. Monsters Ball? Uh, yeah. I think it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. She's good in uh, the crazy movie where there's uh, like nine time periods. Cloud Atlas. She's good in that movie. Yeah. But yeah. again, that movie though, it's just like, yeah. That movie's also like pretty, I, I think that movie's pretty insufferable. Like the metaphors are so, like, yeah. so yeah. straightforward. Right. And, and, and it's, and it's four hours long. Like that's unforgivable. <laughs> it's so long. It's not four hours, but it is so long. And it's unforgivable. But the one thing about Perfect Stranger is that, boy, uh, Bruce Willis does not do, like, sexy smoldering, because uh, she has, like, an affair with him, or tries, you know, that there's hinting at that, and he does not do, like, Christian Grey type, at, well, at all. Bruce Willis at his best when he's reluctant. That has been the whole thing of his career. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a of a role where. He well, it's did. weird though because he made his career on that. Did y'all watch the making like movies that made us? I didn't see the Die Hard one. The Die Hard one. They talk about how they plucked him out of Moonlighting. Oh yeah, and how he was like this funny, like charismatic dude, and they were like, "This will never work." And then he changed his whole career path with Die Hard. But mm-hmm. that's the thing is that funny, charismatic is very different than like sexy, smoldering, yes, like yes, powerful type, right? Yeah. So, anyway, that movie do it all, Bruce. <laughs> is indeed garbage. Uh, also, for Christmas, I watched the first three Saw movies. <laughs> the first one's good. First one, I thought was good, because I thought it was good when I saw it in the theater, and on a rewatch, I really hated it. I thought it was terrible. Really? Yeah, I thought Carrie Elwes might have one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a movie. Huh. <laughs> the way he says words, it's like he's never said words before. This. <laughs> Whenever anybody says Carrie Elwes, because I never knew it was pronounced that way, it reminds me of that dumb fucking Family Guy joke where he's writing a letter to Carrie Elwes, and it's like, were you in this movie? Was this you in this movie? I don't know if you were in this movie. P.S. Are you famous? <laughs> that was really funny. Um, Saw 2 was worse. <laughs> it's horrible. I don't think I've seen any. It's like, oh, no. I saw the one people where... People are in a poison gas house, and uh, Donnie Wahlberg's trying to break him out. Break himself. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and his son's one of them. Oh, no. The and one I saw had, like, a girl from a previous one? Oh, yeah, they got out. that. She this, was the killer? So I read about future movies after I stopped with three. Uh, and, and three. Wow, you made it pretty far, though. Three was okay. Uh, and by okay, I mean compared to other Saw movies. I don't mean compared yeah. to movies. Um, but I kept, read, I kept reading about them, and there's, like, there's, like, so many actors who have appeared in, like, six Saw movies. It's like... Wait, they all die. How do they keep appearing in so Is many Danny things? Is Danny Glover in multiple Saw movies? Yes, yeah. I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's like the cop in two or three. He, he dies he's in the number cop one. in the first one. He gets shot in the head by a shotgun. Well, there definitely are some prequel Saw movies, too. Because... Yeah. <clears throat> what? Okay. Well, no, I just didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that either. One of them's called Jigsaw, and Jigsaw dies in the second one. Oh. He so, does in the third one. Third one. Yes. Oh, I thought you were like, and also the third one. <laughs> and he, and he does in the fourth one and the fifth one. Because Tobin Bell is still in all those movies. Because this is just Tobin Bell's, this is how he gets Christmas presents for his friends and family every year. He needs a new Saw movie. He's not in anything else. So, yeah, these movies are god-awful. They're really bad. Yeah. They're just, they're not even scary. 
The first one had a good twist. I'll give it that. Yes, yeah. yes, it had some it had some ingredients. But like, I'm, I'm not about the torture porn. No, shit. no, that's what a lot of these are. Yeah, that's like because it was Saw and then Hostel came out, and then, those are both produced by Eli Roth. And then it was like, oh, he's got a formula here. Like that'd be cool if he keeps doing it. But then he just did Saw two, three, four, like in a row, and Hostel, and Hostel two. Yeah, and it was like, oh fuck, I'm not watching any of those. So like twenty minute cutaways to like watch people die in gory. Gross ways. It's like, gore for the sake of gore, without yeah. anything else attached to it. It's just like look at all the weird ways we can snap bones now and crush things and make yeah. things spurt Keys out. Your best friend's kidney or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. uh, that's why I liked the first one in theaters because it was creative. But by the time you're watching the third one, like how much can you award that creativity anymore? The third one introduces ice. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Panic Room, and they did a pretty good job of making a saw movie. Uh, while still making a pretty terrible movie, which I think Saw movies are, um, and they 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 cheat because they get to take a whole group of people and escape move room. them escape room. Now I like, like, I like panic room. room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, escape room where they just take them from like different settings all around, and there's like devious, terrible like torture traps, right? Including poison rooms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll get out of my. Uh, well, hang on. I got two more movies to talk about oh, briefly on my on this my is fun. shit list here. Uh, two thousand seven, Nicolas Cage film next. Oh, it's so bad. It's so good. But it's so fucking fun. It it's is, bad. It is a fun ride. But this is, movie is that the one where he can see sometimes five seconds into the future. Two minutes. Oh, two minutes. Unless he's close to someone he loves. And then it's like a long time. Forever. Yeah. Mm. Um. <laughs> This it movie, Jessica Biel, by the way. Yeah, it's another Jessica Biel movie. I feel bad for Jessica Biel appearing multiple times already on this, uh, like ten episodes into this podcast of the worst movies. Um, this is the fun kind of bad movie. Next, yes. it was really bad. I don't know what Julianne Moore is even doing in this movie. I don't know why she accepted. Oh yeah, she's like the CIA getting paid. And is this a big, like a big paycheck movie? I don't know. Uh, she's an FBI agent who who. In order to stop a, a uh, nuclear bomb from going off in L.A. has turned to, you know, logically, a Las Vegas magician who can see two minutes into the future. Um, Nicolas Cage and uh, Jessica Biel have sex in this movie, so that's probably why Nicolas oh, Cage right. signed Thank on to this movie. You. It's real weird. It is not believable in any way. Um <laughs> She also has, you know, the normal movie job of uh, she teaches English to Native American children at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> That's her job. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have it on pretty good authority that the reason why Nicholas Cage was in this movie is because this is around the time where he was in a lot of tax trouble. <laughs> he was, like, selling his, his mausoleum in New Orleans and, like, selling off like a, his the Tyrannosaurus Rex skull that he owned. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you get tax trouble. You buy a T Rex skull. Now that's how you get money trouble. <laughs> yeah. So this movie did it did make me realize one thing. Nicolas Cage is just one of the last true movie stars. I think not like we talk about actors a lot, like Leonardo DiCaprio, but then there are like movie stars, like The Rock. Yes. Denzel Washington is an example of a great actor who also happens to be a movie star. He makes a lot of movies that aren't great movies, but they are very watchable and very entertaining. Tom Cruise. Equalizer 2. 
Was, yes. Yeah. yeah. Movies where Denzel Washington is a protector of some sort. <laughs> and uh, he, te- he teaches some young hoodlum the ways of uh, being a standing standing citizen, <laughs> upstanding citizen. Don't say he teaches a sitting person <laughs> the ways of standing. Hey, you got legs, don't you? Uh, I think, yeah, what follows what you're talking about? That Tom Cruise movie with Cameron Diaz. You were talking about Danelle Sky? Day and night, or night and day? No, night and day. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Spy. I don't know. I think it's night and day. Yeah. Night spelled with a K. Yeah. <laughs> N-I-K-H-T? <laughs> I almost said that word out. It is scary to say out loud. Yeah, especially when something's recording. Uh, so, but yeah, Nicholas Cage is just, that guy commits to literally anything. After you see his performance all in SNL next, recurring skit about it. Yeah. 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 And I don't mean commit to be like, yes, I'll be in the movie. I mean, like, he is there, and he is on. He is turned, like, he's ready. He believes in this movie. It works when it works. I mean, you, you do that 400 times, you'll eventually get the Mandy bathroom scene with the <laughs> vodka or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Just screaming at the top of his lungs for five minutes. <laughs> so, Next is a, if you've never seen Next, it is a bad movie, a terrible movie, Man, that I would recommend. Do y'all remember the other Nicolas Cage movie that was around then, where the aliens Knowing? were coming? No. yeah. yeah. I actually <laughs> thought Next was Knowing when I turned on Next. And I was like, because I'd seen the last like hour of Knowing once on like... Talking about metaphors hitting like right on the nose. Oh my God. And so, in that one he's like a geologist or something in Knowing, or, I think. Yeah, or a meteorologist. It's something, something to do with like like tectonic activity. Wait, there are multiple movies where Nicolas Cage is a meteorologist? <laughs> yeah, the weatherman <laughs> and this. Yeah. Oh, um, he knows the solar flares are coming somehow. Because so, he can see two minutes into the future? No. <laughs> so, yeah, I was very confused when he started. But wait, he can see the future in knowing. Just not, like, because of his ability. He finds a piece of paper that has dates written on it. Yeah, he can't see it. He's trying to piece all this... That's uh, not knowing the future, that's just reading. He's trying to piece together, like, what this message is that he yeah. gets. And it's it turns out it's aliens being like, We're gonna blow you up! <laughs> yeah, should have known. Um, so, I was... Anyway, so, you get the one guy who knows... No, the end of knowing is the best when they're like, and we, so we took all of you, like, random little kids, like, 20 boys and 20 girls here, and they're like, what do you want us to do at the last, and then it pans around to, like, the side, and their bunnies running through the field. It's like, you want those kids to fuck? <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what this movie's about. It was very weird then thinking this was that movie for the first 20 minutes and him being a Las Vegas magician. <laughs> so I was like, how does he turn into a geologist? Is that the start of this movie is about? Um, and then finally I watched another movie from 2007 called Good Luck Chuck. Never seen it. Don't. <laughs> what is it? It is uh, a movie starring Dane Cook. Oh. And Jessica Alba? Jessica Alba. Does he work in a, in a grocery store? No, I don't. I don't even know if you ever see anything he actually does in this movie other than uh, have sex with women. Um, it is... Oh, he's like a ladies' man? But you like, don't want me to see it. He's not. He's a he's a guy who's just trying to find love. The problem is... he His has dick a, gets in the way of all those people with personalities. <laughs> he has a reputation because a few... He, it starts with this bullshit like at a teenage party... As 12-year-olds, he won't kiss this girl because she's a super goth girl. He's like, not on the lips. I only fuck. $100. <laughs> and so she puts a hex on him 
that he'll never find true love. The goth girl puts a hex on somebody? Yeah. This movie ages well already. Right. I can tell. So, anyway, his curse is that... If you can you, see two minutes into the future? If you, <laughs> He's a geologist, right? If you... Uh, if the, at a Costco. The, girl, the girls who... Uh, if a girl sleeps with Dane Cook, then the next man she meets she'll fall in love with, and that'll be her husband. So it's about, like, women sort of praying, like, lining up to sleep with Dane Cook in this movie so that they can... Uh, Speed up. <laughs> like, that curse sounds horrible. I hope no one ever does it to me. Well, there's a lot of jokes about that in the movie because he's got a real okay. pervy friend who's just like, you should just bone the ladies all the time. And that's his one joke he keeps making who, all who the plays that character? It's the guy from uh, the in, uh, Fantastic Beasts movie. Uh, the little hair, the short guy, Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler. Who does? Just wants him to I'm really hoping you're going to be like, it's Kirk Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> In 2007, <laughs> yeah, I was hoping it was Donnie Wahlberg. It was the last, the last role of George C. Scott. Uh, no, but anyway, it's it's the most just it's just horrible. Dane Cook, you can just tell oh, this. Hold on, how does he break the curse? Um, Wait, does he break the curse? Or is this just the movie? So he thinks he basically decides he's gonna just he's like he's uh. Realizes he's been worrying about the curse too much, so he's just like, maybe it's all in my head. Maybe I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to make this relationship work with Jessica Alba. And at the moment, he does. It was after he had gone and tracked down the goth girl and apologized to her. It's at that moment she decides to take the little pin out of the heart of the doll she made of him hmm. that's been in there for twenty years. Goth voodoo, Same thing. goth voodoo. Yeah. 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 So, um. This movie is aged horribly to have only aged 12 years. Are there any <laughs> jokes about him having sex with a man? Yes. Oh. There's a man who lines up and he's just like, hey, I mean, I'm willing. It's like, yeah. Does he? Um, no, but there's there's also... Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, I don't know. There are some decisions in this movie that are just awful. I mean, there's one... Sounds like most of them. He, he's... <laughs> <laughs> he basically tests he tests the curse by like sleeping with a like seven hundred pound woman. We were talking about friends the other day. How dumb is a recurring joke in Friends of Fat Monica? Like, I think it's annoying after a while. Like watching yeah. back, like the first time they do Fat Monica, it's like, oh, that's really funny because Courtney Cox at the time, Courtney Cox Arquette is like an attractive woman. And I get it. Like, cool. I think what it, like, where that's they, fun. I think where they fucked up on it is now. Anytime they show like them in high school, they have to show Fat Monica, and they show because her, they made the joke once. And right. there can be nothing else about her character from her high school days other than fat jokes, right? right. Which is, it's, so, I wonder, if, like, I wonder if like the showrunners like also don't like that because you can make great. They did handcuff themselves. Kind of. Yeah, because you can make funny fat jokes. I'm not saying that you can't. Sure, mm-hmm. but. I mean, I think that Shallow Howl's a brilliant movie. Um, I like Shallow Howl. But, okay. Anyway, so good luck, anyway, Chuck. You, t- did you recommend it? No. That movie's just a piece <laughs> okay, of Okay, I have a question. Shit. Why one star? Why, why not half a star? Uh, because I've seen that 13, 13, 13 movie oh, that right. time. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, this is... This is like not even made by people who know how to work cameras. <laughs> so, so this one got a star, got half star above the minimum because it is a movie made by it people. It is a movie made that I can tell is made by people who probably got paid to do it. Is uh, is there a lot of pop punk in the soundtrack? Uh, I don't remember the soundtrack. It was also vanilla and boring. Um, 
<laughs> so let's just find out live. I mean, we can do other things too. I just Maybe want to see. Yep. Well, it's uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else notable in that movie, but not really. It's bad. I'm really glad Dane Cook didn't become a, a thing like in movies because that was that was his big vehicle that was supposed to launch his career. The five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, a nineteen percent on Metacritic. Critics liked it. <laughs> hey, it matched up with me. One out of five. Nineteen uh, percent. Nineteen. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I actually, actually, kind of like this soundtrack. The Cars. Uh, oh, that's what it was. Flaming it was... Lips, Dandy Warhols, Art Brute. Yeah, it was just like decent, your normal kind of soundtrack. Decent songs. Yeah. That yeah. don't really ma- they don't really matter. Like that, you can't tie them into anything in the movie. It's right. just like, oh, we like these songs. That's kind of it. Um, I think it's you might think is the opening credit song. It's like, why is that? There's no meaning behind the choice. Right. It's just like here's a song that the studio gets my, was probably like the, we already have them on retainer or whatever. It gets my yeah my toe tapping. <laughs> it's reduced flowing. But I watched uh, two 2019 movies that I would like to talk about. All right, um, we'll be quick. We spent 45 minutes talking about Gilles Chuck. I did the bullshit movie. All right, yeah, good. I watched Doctor Sleep. Oh, cool. Um, it's a good movie. I liked it. It's a uh, it's a movie that I would recommend if you're a fan of The Shining because I don't think. First off, it's not as good as The Shining. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected it to be. No, right. Um, but I think it is a satisfactory successor, uh, sequel. Um, it is a it has a difficult job of trying to be both an adaptation of a book, which itself is a sequel to a book, and this is also a sequel to a movie, which was not a precise adaptation of that first book. Right. I think I follow. So uh, this is trying to bridge basically two different... Um, storylines, if you will. Um, Ewan McGregor's good. He's a uh, grown-up Danny Torrance. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about um, some people who... It's a, about a group of... They're not uh, vampires in the traditional sense, but they are people who are a group of... Uh, they like are magic eaters. Yes, that that's a good description. They're, they are uh, trying to kill... Shiners like him, who uh, and they uh, he um, is spends most of the movie trying to save one particular fellow girl with the Shining from being the target of these uh, uh, predators. Okay, and uh, it's about that. It's a it's a little it's a tad too long for my taste. It's it takes it a little bit to get really rolling. I was not really in until about 40 minutes into the movie. And then at that point I thought it got pretty good and I was uh, pretty engaged till the end, till the end. Nice. And again, nothing mind blowing. I don't think this is going to, you know, it's not like this is going to make your top 10 list or anything, but uh, it's a, it's, it's a pretty fun movie. It's a, you know, in the wake of star Wars, this is like, Oh, this is a movie that does fan service, but in a way that makes sense for the plot. I think they spent time thinking about like, like, does this make sense? And does this is this an adequate? And I guess that's more credit to Stephen King. Sure, um, but because he I did read the trailers, uh, Rose the Hat is the main villain, yeah. and I thought Rebecca Ferguson looked like she did a pretty good job. She does a very good job in this yeah. movie. I really like Re- Rebecca Ferguson. I think the the kid who plays the little girl in the movie does a fantastic job, um, and uh, Ewan McGregor is is solid, and so there's. 
Not a lot of, not not a lot of standout performances, but at the same time, it's... is Duval in it at all? Who's the mom from The Shining? Uh, she's Duvall? been recast. Okay. Yeah. So, um, recast well. I don't know if it's necessary, but recast well. And then there are some scenes with a recast child version of Danny as well, oh, who fun. is comparable and good, but again, sort of strange. Do they recast Jack at all in any sense? Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe mm. not. Right. Um, but uh, anyway... <laughs> I do recommend it. It's it's especially if you're into this whole Stephen King universe. Yeah, sure. Like I know you are. Hey, so did you know? You know how you were saying that the guy who directed Stealth went on to direct Triple X. Do you know the guy who directed the movie Next went on also directed Triple X: State of the Union? <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> also, I was looking at who directed Perfect Stranger because I was like, if this guy directed the new Triple X, then I know what Flophouse <laughs> is doing when they pick their movies. But no. The guy who directed Perfect Stranger directed Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. That's weird. Yeah. Makes no sense. I mean, then he made he made Perfect Stranger, and then ten years later is his next movie, Fifty Shades Darker, and then Fifty Shades Freed. Oh, wow. So. That guy did Glenn Gary Glenn Ross? Yeah. That's weird. This is weird. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. I just uh, had to look up the, the Triple X connection. The last movie uh, that I watched is a 2019 movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh. Oh, cool. I've heard great things, and I want to see it. It was delightful. Yeah. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. 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 Shia LaBeouf plays a, uh, a sort of down-on-his-luck cra- uh, crabber, fisherman crabber, and off the uh, Outer Banks of North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, he's sort of salty he's like not he doesn't want to be friends with anybody and uh he's uh, committing some like low level petty crimes around the docks and whatnot and uh like stealing from crab traps and, and whatnot um at the same time there's also uh uh, uh don johnson's daughter what's her name dakota johnson mm-hmm. dakota johnson Runs a nursing home where it's mostly old folks, like uh, like Bruce Dern is in this movie, mm-hmm. and uh, except they have one uh, ward who is a uh, uh, like a fifteen year old with Down syndrome. It's <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> the most deliberate cough in history. <laughs> uh, although I know you just needed a cough, <laughs> um, but. Uh, the, uh, the kid with Down syndrome just wants to escape and go do something other than sit in the nursing home all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he does. Bruce Stern helps him escape in the first like, 15 minutes. And uh, he kind of makes his way uh, to the same area and runs into and meets uh, Shia LaBeouf. And uh, just decides, he's like, I need a friend. This guy would be a good friend to have. He seems competent. And of course, LaBeouf wants nothing of that but he kind of has a soft spot for him. And so uh, this kid's journey is he wants to go meet uh, this uh, wrestler he had a videotape of uh, growing up called the Saltwater Redneck, played by Thomas Hayden Church. Nice. nice. So that's sort of his journey, his goal, is to go track down the Saltwater Redneck and learn, uh, because his videotape said, like, come to my school in North Carolina, I'll teach you how to wrestle. And uh, so he's like, I want to go be a wrestler. And so uh, it's about the two of them just sort of trying to elude the people that Shia LaBeouf stole from, led by, I think, John Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fun. 
it's always good to see him in a movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's 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 a sort of a friendship comedy drama, and it's really sweet and really good. Um, yeah, it's gotten great reviews. Yeah, it's it's the kind of movie where I would guess its Rotten Tomato score is really high, um, just because it's like who can dislike this movie, right? But maybe the Metacritic not quite as high. I'm guessing. I don't I don't know though. I haven't looked at the scores, but it's a uh, it's a movie that I don't want to gush too much over. But it's it's really good. Would you have been? Would you be surprised to hear that that the uh, Wikipedia article describes it as a modern retelling of the Huckleberry Finn story. There are some elements to that. It's a, it's, I don't, I, yeah, I guess I would need to reacquaint myself with the actual Huckleberry Finn story, like right. plot points to see. Um, because, I mean, he is escaped, but I don't feel like Dakota Johnson, she's very sweet in this movie, and <laughs> she's not exactly, uh, you know, authorities tracking down an escaped slave or anything like that. Right. <laughs> um, but they do, uh, you know, make a ramshackle boat at one point okay. and float down the river. So there you're, are elements. You're spot on in the reviews, by the way. 70 on Metacritic, which is a great score, and uh, 95 on RT. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. It's it, just in the sense that if you if you just want a very pleasant couple hours in it's a It's been on my watch list for a while now. Yeah. So, so. What's the streaming now? I'm not sure. Okay, but streaming on something highest grossing indie film the for the year, twenty million bucks it made. Oh, nice. Yeah, sleeper hit. Mm. Well, cool. Did you see anything else you want to talk about? Nope, that's all. That's all twelve movies or whatever. Okay, well then I will very briefly <laughs> mention some stuff that I watched. You know, I'd seen Hustlers, so uh, <laughs> that was one of them. Um, but I watched uh, two that have been talked about, well, three that have been talked about, so I'm really not planning on spending much time. Uh, I watched Good Boys. Um, I think yeah. I'm, I think I, I think my needle is probably closer to uh, the TJ side of things, where I was like, it was okay. Um, it made me laugh a bunch. Uh, you, you were the one who was like... Yeah, I think Brent was kind of there, too. I think Brent liked it a little bit more than you did, from talking to both of okay. you about it. Yeah, okay. Very possible. Maybe a difference between like a three star and a three and a half star. Right. <clears throat> um, I think I gave it three. Okay. Um, I gave it three also. It was all right. Yeah. Um, I'm not even... Funny jokes here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I watched the movie Shazam, which is now on HBO, and I think that it is clearly the best uh, DCEU movie. Um, you know, obviously Joker's not in that. That's not part of the DCEU. I would, I would agree. You like it better than Wonder Woman. Yes, I do. Nice. Um, I think that it has the... I think Zachary Levi is fucking hilarious all movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the friend uh, is hilarious also. And the big twist in the end is just like perfect. So sweet. Yeah. It's a rare big final twist in a comic book movie that is original. Yeah. And it's just so enjoyable for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't care much about the villains in the movie, but I didn't mind as much because of the fun twist at the end. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did, but I definitely <clears throat> I did think it was better than Wonder Woman. I agree. Yeah. And then the last movie, I'm not going to talk about that much because I think I'm going to talk about it a bunch um, in an up- upcoming podcast. <coughs> um, but I saw Ari Aster's Midsummer, um, And if you don't know what the next podcast that we're all planning, it's going to be our top ten of the year. So mm-hmm. I think that's where it winds up for me. Nice, yeah. It'll be that'll be two weeks out. Okay, uh, we'll have to do. I uh, have to. We get to do an Oscar nomination predict podcast next week. Yep. 
because the nominations will be up. And we can always after that. Yeah, and we can always you know peek behind the curtain. We can always double dip and record two and yep. have our top two in the can. But either way, I'm going to be talking about that movie a lot coming up. I imagine that's exciting. Um, it'll take a a good number of movies at this point to dethrone where that one sits on my list. Cool, fun, yep. <laughs> All right, you guys got any news you want to talk about? We're, oh, by the way, we're saving the, the, our conversation with Mandalorian until we all get caught up. I think one of us has one episode left, um, but we might it's do me. we might do a kind of a longer uh, podcast about it. It might be a fun one to get. Um, <laughs> we severely watch new seasons of TV, and we all watch all episodes. Yeah, that I feel like we should we should take some time at some point to talk about this first season, the the good and the bad. Yeah, I almost want to go like episode by episode with you guys and just talk about like. <clears throat> the highs and lows of the season overall, but then also like e- each episode, and so I think it is a, a very dynamic and ever changing story uh, that they're telling, uh, just because of I think all the homages that it pays to, you know, classic movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that'll be that's on the horizon too. Um, but do you guys have anything that you want to talk about in our new segment that we call Breezy on the Streets? Uh, I don't. I don't either. I just noticed that this podcast has two fewer popes than the last one did. <laughs> um, yeah, not much newsworthy coming up. I mean, everything's award circuit, everything right now. Here you go, Brent. Uh, the new season of, of The Young Pope is coming out very soon. Ah. Now that Watchmen has finished its run and uh, His Dark Materials has finished its run, I think that there's a very short, I think it's just a two-episode, uh, The Young Pope. The New Pope? I think it's called The Young Pope. Uh, is uh, coming out and finishing up. So we've at least got one one Pope this episode. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other... <clears throat> I, I feel like a lot, most of the articles and the stuff I check have just all been Star Wars obsessed for the last week. And the only thing that's even remotely interesting is that... And it is surprising to me, even though I didn't really like the movie all that much, it's shocking that uh, this is the first Star Wars movie that's ever failed to get an, uh, at least an A- minus from CinemaScore. Huh. It's a B plus, which is considering what this movie is, it seems designed for like audience approval. Yeah. So that's man seems is it getting most of that though. Do what? Man, is it getting a lot of audience approval though? Cinescore side. Cinescore yeah. is weird. It's like highly accurate, but it's also a super small sample size right. when they do it. Um, yeah. And it's surprisingly accurate, pretty much for only length of run. They're like really good at predicting how long things will be in the theater, but. uh I don't know. A lot of people that hate the last Jedi love this movie. Which is, yeah. I feel like those are the most vocal people, but not necessarily the most populous yeah. group. A lot, of, a lot of critics who love the last Jedi really don't like this movie too. Right. Yeah. But anyway, Star Wars is happening. Yeah. <laughs> All right, TJ, you got it pulled up. Tell us what we should go watch this weekend. If you pick one weekend of the year not to go watch anything. The first weekend of the year is usually a pretty good year to pick blindly. Um, <laughs> this year is no different. There's one theatrical release coming out January 3rd, Friday. What is, is it called? Spies in Disguise. It is a remake of a movie. Okay. From when? Oh, is it Bad Boys 3? No. No. From 2004? Oh. What? Why would they remake a movie? And that is a remake of a movie from the late 90s. Oh. The Grudge. The Grudge. Oh. The Grudgening. <laughs> yes. Rebooting The Grudge, because... <clears throat> well, we've all been clamoring for that for years, so... I mean, more... I I'll watch it. Uh, more, more than I would have expected, 
I've been talking to people about horror movies from that era, from that region of the world. I know, TJ, you've been a part of one of these conversations recently. Yeah. And so maybe that's just where the the universal headspace is. is people are people want their spooky water ghosts back. Yeah, they were huge for a minute there, weren't they? Yeah. So, is there <laughs> any like critical thought about this movie yet? No. <laughs> so the honest answer is no. No critics have even considered that this movie exists. Um, man, I really want to see if just I can find anything because I bet it's bad. Well, it's a rough window to sit because people have just finished binging screeners that have been you know distributed pre the December thirty first, and then this movie to plop down three days afterwards. It's just like, hey, what are you doing here, Grudge? You know, I bet there's going to be some negative reviews, but it's probably just negative bias. Yeah. It probably... Probably at this point, yeah. I just, I, the first sort of thing, I, thing I clicked on Vendetta. Was, Vendetta. Yeah. Against common the Sense Media. You all know what Common Sense Media is? It's not like right wing stuff. Like super no, it's like uh, for parents, pretty much. Okay. Oh. So, and, and there's so like fun. gory, violent horror. <laughs> so it's a review of it. It's like, well, yeah. Checks it out. I really like going to read the IMDb Parents Guide for movies that are just in no way, shape, or form made for kids. <laughs> like, for the Saw movies. Because the descriptions, they describe everything. So Literally I, everything. About 40 minutes into Hustlers last night, I looked up the parent guide on that because I was like, I wonder if there's no nudity in this movie because right. I hadn't seen, like, a nipple yet. Um, and you couldn't find out because for them, nipple or bikini is the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're yeah. like, this movie is fucking awful. For me, it's, This movie has a beach. For me, they're very different. Um... Well, cool. Well, go see The Grudge. That's our You have to. <laughs> if you're going to go to the theaters and you're going to see a new movie, it's going to have to be The Grudge. Yep. Well, cool, guys. Thanks for joining. Uh, and listeners, thanks for joining us. This has been Talk Talk Podcast from MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook at our groups, Game Bias, TV Bias, Movie Bias. Uh, you can do finger guns like TJ's doing right now. Uh, you can send us an email to MediaBias at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet at the MediaBias. Please rate us on your favorite podcast rating five or stars. listening thing and give us five stars. Uh, I won't brag about how many we have this time. Uh, special thanks to Willow Walkers for the intro. Boo <laughs> Special thanks to Boo Reaper for the outro. <laughs> Alright, Brent, TJ, thanks for joining. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I